for you. I'm your host, Ella Noble, and before we begin today's episode, I want to be really honest with you all for a moment. This uh, (laughs) extra bit of vulnerability was actually inspired by a conversation that I have with our guest, Haley, on today's episode, so you will hear the conversation that predicated this little moment of honesty. Um, Haley and I talk about being vulnerable, but for me, we talk about being vulnerable in a curated way and how comfortable I am talking about the things that I've gone through, but not so comfortable talking about the things that I'm going through. And I actually promised Haley on the episode that I was going to try to be a little bit more open and a little less curated with my my vulnerability. So this is my first attempt at that. Um, I wanted to say that I've been having a really hard time with this one's for you and the labor that it takes me to produce these episodes. I have been struggling in general to keep my head above water lately with all my other jobs uh, and <laughs> how hard it feels sometimes to exist in the, the real world with mental health struggles. Um, so it's just been a lot. I feel like I'm hardly accomplishing my actual work some days, most days. Uh, So setting aside the time for a passion project, even one that I love so much, it's just felt completely impossible. Um, So I am not giving up on this one's for you at all. I love this show so much and it means so much to me, but I wanted to explain why those episodes aren't coming out in a timely manner as I would like. I am so guilty of just setting these unrealistic expectations for myself and I think the irony is I decided arbitrarily that I wanted to release an episode every other Tuesday Um, but what it actually did was make it so much harder for me to publish these episodes at all because I was really just stuck in that guilt and shame spiral of um, well this episode's already late so Uh, you know, I'm just going to make myself feel worse about it. Um, All of that to say, that's kind of what happened with this episode. Um, But I'm really excited that it's going to exist now, finally. Um, Kind of closing off by saying that I like to see the things I'm going through as seasons and not life sentences. So I know that this time of overwhelm and treading water is just a season and it will change, and it's not going to be like this forever, and maybe one day I will be getting these episodes out in a timely manner, but that is where I'm at right now, and I hope the next season brings with it a little bit more mental peace, but time will tell on that front. In the meantime, I love you, and I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. I am thrilled to welcome Haley Swerble to the podcast. Haley is someone that I had never spoken to in person, prior to recording this episode. She's someone who caught my eye on social media, and the moment I started reading her posts on Instagram, I knew that I needed to reach out, get her on the podcast, and hopefully make her my new best friend. Haley Swerble lives in Anchorage, Alaska. She's a retired professional Nordic ski racer, a 2022 Beijing Olympian, and multiple-time world's medalist in the junior category. Haley retired from Nordic ski racing at the end of the 2023 season, and we spoke just six weeks after she raced her final professional race. 
This episode really meant a lot to me, and not only was Haley an amazing guest, but she was also a fantastic host in her own right and asked me a lot of questions and gave me a chance to share a lot of my own story around retirement. It was really beautiful to see the ways that our stories aligned and the ways that our stories differed. Um, So I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And as always, please be in touch at ellennoble.com with feedback, future guest suggestions, and questions. So without further ado, please welcome Haley Sverbel to the show. Thank you so much. I am very excited to talk with you. I'm so excited to talk with you. I think I say this every time, but I always mean it, that I'm just like so excited to talk to the people that I get to talk to on this show. But I really am just, I've been like really, really looking forward to this conversation because the more I learned about you, the more I was like, we're like kindred spirits, I feel. (laughs) I just like everything that you were right, like that I've heard you write about and talk about going through. I'm like, oh my God, I've been through that. Like I want to know how you dealt with all these things that I've struggled with myself, so I'm. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, I would say the exact same thing about you from the brief stalking that I've done, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just super. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we all have interesting points of view, and I'm curious to know more about your story too. So thank you. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get into it. So I, I guess like before we get started, um, listeners are gonna know who you are from an athletic perspective. You're an Olympian. You are a multi-time world's medalist in the junior category and stuff like that. But who are you not just as an athlete? And I know that that might be a big question right now, kind of given what you're going through, but who are you as Haley and not just as uh, a professional skier? I think that's the question that, oh man, that we're all trying to figure out, right? Like in life and (laughs) as athletes, I think... So I recently retired from sport. I'm 24. That's pretty young for uh, a cross-country skier to retire. So I'm I'm on the journey to figuring that out. I think through my career, like it's been really fun to also discover passions on the side that have really driven me and like gotten me excited about other aspects of life. So I'm I'm on my way to chasing and kind of pursuing those things a little bit right now and stepping away from sport. Oh, who am I? Um, <laughs> I am a tall, blonde woman, and that's all. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, I think I, I think I'm, I'm multifaceted. Um, I think that's why committing, you know, potentially another decade of my life to doing the same thing that I have been doing for the last fifteen years or so. It felt like the time that I was ready to make space for other things. Yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that. I retired at twenty five, yeah. um, and although I think I've kept space for coming back in racing again, uh, it's both very intimidating to step away so young. But then also you're like, oh wow, I still actually have a lot of time to do other things. Like maybe could feel like too much time yeah. at certain times. Um, but yeah. that's, yeah, I, I think I read that, uh, what did I read? I think on like your Team USA bio or something that you're like into, you're into so many different things, but you're also getting your pilot's license right now, right? Is that correct? I am. I had a, you know, a flight just before this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so are you like in the air flying? Like, I, you're, like you're 
handling the controls I am in the air. I I have <laughs> reached the point where I can fly by myself in a plane, which is actually terrifying. So you're like up there alone? Alone. Well, part of the time because I'm still a student, but they make you, okay. during your training, they make you fly by yourself. So like, uh, you know, while you're being supervised by your instructor, but... Yeah, like, I swear, I was like, I thought I was nervous before a World Cup race, and (laughs) oh man, that had nothing on flying a plane for the first, like, diving toward the ground to land. That's a whole new level of nerves for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I, sometimes I laugh thinking about being nervous before, like, a big race, because you're like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Oh, you don't get a good result? Right. Like, what's the worst that happens flying a plane? Like You die. What it like it would yeah or even if you don't take it like because I didn't want to say that sorry you know, that's like bad luck but like it would be very expensive oh if gosh. you have a bad day oh, in an airplane very like yeah catastrophically so so but yeah. yeah no it's I think it's a really good point is like why are we so nervous for racing like when you think about it what is there on the line like the right. fear of the pain I know this is kind of a, a tangent but I I just got my my mind jogging is like yeah it feels like life or death to me on the start line Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's really not a dangerous thing my nervous system just feels that way yes yeah I think uh I think something that I had read you talk about that I certainly felt a lot when I was racing was like it did feel like life or death at the time because you like it felt like for me all of my self-worth was riding on that result so it really did feel like life or death and now having a much more balanced life and like a slightly healthier relationship with who I am in this world. Uh, I don't think I could ever put that same pressure on results again, mm-hmm. because you're like, it. I still get to go home and like, I'm hanging out with people who love me and like, I have all these other fulfilling things in my life. So, but I think like when you don't have that balance, yes, it can feel like life or death, right? I think that our nervous systems, at least I'll speak for myself. I think my nervous system does interpret a race result that way that is what it that is what it feels like and that's how I respond and I think you know one thing that became honestly like not tolerable anymore not worth it um for me to continue on was like having to put myself into the nervous system state of fight or flight before every race because I knew I had to live up to this expectation and the pressure that I'd set for myself or external pressure that I felt and that's hard. Like, that means I'm not showing up in my relationships in the way that I want to. I'm not able to be as good of a friend as I want to or, or partner. And, um, man, there's also, there's just a lot of things that are important about life beyond results. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, I think on that note, uh, you have had a challenging relationship with the sport of Nordic. Um, but it sounds like for your final season leading up to your retirement, you took a very different approach and had, from the outside, it looked like a very different experience than you had maybe in the previous years of your career. Um, so this is a really big question. And I don't want to hammer you with too many questions, <laughs> but I think they'll kind of answer themselves. But like, can you talk about that a little bit? I want to know, A, how you were able to achieve that change, because I think a lot of people... Mm-hmm can only aspire to do that but also uh you know if it if it really like you know if it made a difference Mm -hmm. I just I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit yeah totally yeah I I, you know learning more about your story like 
I think where we differ in our young retirements is like I it was like a choice for me for sure without really external injuries or or illness or anything um I think the last couple seasons pretty much since like the start of COVID I think is where it really started to shift to me uh just the timing kind of lined up that way and the lifestyle became more isolating um especially with the, mm-hmm. with without as much social interaction without as much you know traveling in Europe for 6 months of the year um with your team and not really being able to hang out with anyone outside of your own roommate in your hotel room like wearing masks every meal uh that was kind of the start of my real world cup career spending a lot of time on the world cup in Europe so that's kind of when I think I really started questioning like if this is what I wanted to do for the next decade of my life as a 20 some 20 year old you know young mm-hmm. athlete so um COVID happened that continued for a few years you know like the the expectations become higher the pressure becomes higher um by the end of last season which I'm skipping over a lot you know to, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a ton but uh last last winter was the Olympic cycle um combined with COVID so like I got to the end of that year and I wasn't sure I was gonna come back again I was just cooked. I was so burnt out. Um, I didn't feel motivated to do anything. And I really hadn't for uh, that whole season. Um, And maybe even a little bit of the season before. So this year, this past summer actually, I decided to kind of take a step back and really do an experiment to try to see if I could figure out a way to love this sport in the way that I want to love it. And also be able to maintain like the performance expectations that I needed to to remain on a team and remain in funding mm-hmm. and you know keep getting start rights so um I took a step back last summer I worked full-time um uh, doing some engineering for Alaska State Parks I have an, en- an engineering degree so that was like kind of a, an awesome dream summer job uh getting to be like out in the field learning about construction, which I don't have much experience with at all. Uh, totally jumping into something completely new. And, you know, my yeah. my exercising was, like, running on a lunch break or bike. Mm-hmm. I would, like, come home and mountain bike after work for an hour and a half every day, just hammer. Mm-hmm. Like, how I always make I always <laughs> make fun of my dad for, like, going out and hammering for an hour. Like, I'm like, slow down and go and longer. And I'm it. like, oh, okay. If you're working full time. Huh. <laughs> yeah, there is no longer. There is no longer. There is only harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the one hour that we have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I decided to do that full time. I uh, started training again full time um, and working part time in August, which our training season usually starts May 1st. It's Nordic Skiers mm-hmm. New Year. I'm sure you guys understand year round year-round training oh, yeah. it never ends yep <laughs> two weeks off wow okay yeah you get these like you get these like two weeks or sometimes I'd take four whole weeks Ooh, and you'd be like you're like all right cool I have a year's worth of human stuff to make up for <laughs> totally <laughs> three <weeks>. exactly <laughs> just a whole year of being human packed into three short weeks uh yeah so I started training in August and 
you know, with the mindset that like I'm not going, I'm my goal for the season was to try to love skiing again because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Like I want this to be mm-hmm. a lifelong sport that I can always be active when I'm in my 80s. I can go walk around on skis. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of been my goal since I started this as a kid. Like I don't know. I don't know why that always struck me. Yes. And I was losing the love for it over the last few years. Um, the racing part, especially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, started training again in August and, um, you know, this jumped into things, worked back into shape a little bit, you know, definitely noticed that my body wasn't as strong as it had been the previous year after a full summer training. Um I started racing in the United States rather than go over to Europe for the start of the mm-hmm. season consciously to try to really fall in love with skiing and, and look around and notice little, you know, the the professional athletes do their race and then the 12-year-olds race right after and like their families mm-hmm. are around and the coaches are grilling hot dogs and bacon and... <laughs> And I was like, whoa, that's what it's about. Like, the community yes. is powerful, and it's good people, and we're all out here just hammering in the woods, and, and it's silly, and it's doesn't, it's not the end of the world, but gosh, it was so cool to get that perspective again. Mm-hmm. So like, and it, like, is that how you got your start, was, like, being the, the 12-year-old eating a hot dog after your race kind of thing yeah totally oh I mean, that's so great I, yeah exactly you know that's like that is the kind of stuff I remember about being 10 I started when I was 10 mm-hmm. so wow. um yeah yeah just cool I don't know you know like all these random little courses in the middle of middle of nowhere Colorado like that's mm-hmm. that's what was special to me yeah yeah so you you like really, really shook things up then. So not only did you, you take a job, you Mm -hmm. took a summer away from hard training and then you decided not to go over and race in Europe. Um, Yeah. Something I'm really curious about because I've kind of weighed this myself is like, if you were to just pursue being a healthy human, a happy, healthy human, what are you physically capable of compared to the person who puts training over everything? Because I have a feeling that those two people are going to be very, very close physiologically or in terms of like capacity. But obviously we're like, oh no, I have to sacrifice literally everything to get to this high level. But if I only worried about being a happy, healthy, fit person, how much, how close am I to that? Like sacrifice everything version of myself. Um, was that your experience? Like, how did you race when you did go over to Europe this year? Like, were you on par with where you've been in the past? Yeah, I also want to know your answer to that question. Just because I, I think that's really interesting to think about. Um, yeah. Well, I, so I actually was. I actually had some of my best results the weekend I went over. The first weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the first time I made... The semifinals in the sprints, which is the top 12. Yeah. Uh, shocking. And and then after that, I got sick multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boyfriend came over and visited me, and then he got sick, so then I was kind of sick. So it was like a little bit of like a, a couple obstacles after that. And 
I think because I didn't have the base of the training for the whole whole year I a little bit like I felt like I tapered off like my that my peak I think I could still get to Mm -hmm. but the sustainable like the sustainability of that fitness maybe didn't last as long yes have you okay have you had any experience with that I think that's like a bigger question too is like is this sacrifice that feels like sacrificing our whole lives actually worth it (laughs) right and that's a massive question and I don't know I certainly don't have the answer to that well yeah I mean I don't know at the moment where I stand I don't think that it is worth it um but yeah I I I don't know but I have this feeling especially coming from my point of view with chronic illness like I think that if I were to just be the healthiest version of myself and I only do the training that I'm able to do with like the diet that I thrive on and that kind of thing because uh you know like when I'm eating a lot of processed foods and stuff like that it it makes my system really struggle so it's like if I can't uh substantiate my training with my with my diet then Mm -hmm. I shouldn't do it and so if I were only to like really optimize everything for my health um I have a feeling I'd still be a pretty good bike racer but I haven't tested that out yet but uh are you thinking of are you thinking about it I think I am okay yeah I've the last couple months uh you heard it here first but (laughs) the last couple months have been really encouraging for me and I've been feeling really healthy again so I don't know what the future looks yeah. like for me, but none of us do, right? None yeah. of us know what the future looks like, but um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm toying with the yeah. idea of right now. Oh, so exciting. hopefully I'll have an answer for you soon. If, uh, if being healthy is a <laughs> great way to be a professional athlete. Yeah. It's <laughs> worth an experiment, I think. It definitely is. And I think unlike you, I read a lot, you know, like you're talking about like being young and like having all this you know, you have so much time in your 20s to be able to do stuff. I now have this fear that I'm like, all right, if I want to get back to doing it, mm. I kind of need to do it soon mm-hmm. because I, if I want to do any sort of like kind of gravity stuff, I say like my bones aren't getting any denser. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to kind of make that decision sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you still have a ton of time to do other stuff as well. But the bone density thing is, is <laughs> maybe it's my real. main concern right now. Totally. No, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you would do more? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think like hearing you talk about like finding the love again is like so, it brings back so many emotions for me and it's like so key because I grew up in the sport of cycling as well and I just like I have so many fond memories of riding my bike but then all of a sudden like when racing starts to feel really, really painful for you. Um, it makes riding bikes or like going out for a ski or like walking on your skis or whatever, it makes it a lot less enjoyable, Mm -hmm. at least in my experience where it's like every training session was coming back to like my shortcomings on the race course. (laughs) And yeah, I was like, I just want to be able to get back to enjoying being on my bike. Um, and I want to be a cyclist for life. So the thing that I've always come back to when I'm trying to find that joy and this was even something that I had to do when I was feeling burnt out racing periodically sometimes just like middle of a stressful season or as things started to like really get challenging for me later on all I ever wanted to do was like go to the downhill park Mm. and like hit jumps and ride technical trails and stuff like that so I'm like well if that's always the thing that my heart has pulled me towards when am I going to give myself the chance to finally 
pursue that thing that I've always wondered about. Like, I'm someone who would rather regret doing something than regret not doing it. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I think wow. I think it might be time to find out. I love your mindset about that. That's incredible. And thank you. Also, yeah, it kind of made me think, what did my heart draw me towards when I was, you know, having to roller ski on the busy roads in Anchorage in the rain? <laughs> What did I rather? Yes. What would you have? What would you have gone and done that day? Uh, uh, <laughs> if you weren't doing that, sat by a fireplace? No, I don't know. Uh, yeah. No. You know, it's it's funny actually. Is like mountain biking has really always been an outlet and a really fun thing yes. for me because that's what uh, my family grew up doing. That's what yes. we grew up doing, and I actually got a knee injury, like probably seven or eight years ago now that's kind of prevented mm-hmm. me from really like biking to the extent that I'd like to but mm-hmm. gosh if it if it was all right then I maybe would have made a little transition to the bike world for a for a moment <laughs> maybe one it day it might not be it might not be too yeah. late <laughs> oh that is I mean I'm super biased but I'm obviously rooting for you Thanks. on that um <laughs> I think that would be uh so awesome I guess okay so I want to like zoom out a little bit, not zoom out, but like step even further back. Cause I feel like we talked about the fact that you were tired, but like that was super recent for you. Mm-hmm. That was only, was it like four weeks ago? Uh, six weeks ago? Six now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how is it, how is it going? Like yeah. how, how are you dealing with that step? Cause I feel like it was a long time coming for you, but now it's here. Yeah. And how is it in reality compared to what you expected yeah totally you know it's funny because I think last year moving to like a full-time job instead of going into training was almost a little sneak peek of what retirement would look like so it doesn't really feel that weird to me yet it kind of feels like what I was doing last year yeah so there's been a lot of moments where I've really questioned if if it's actually what I want to do if I actually do want to retire and I think that at the end of the day, one thing that I keep coming back to is I see a lot of my teammates actually in their in their mid-30s who have competed in sport until then and they've given everything to it and lived amazing, fulfilling lives doing that for them and they're having babies now, you know, within a, a year or two of retiring and I think that that's something I'd like to do one day is I'd love to have a family and I also have a lot of other things that I would love to try to chase while I still have the the flexibility and don't have the responsibilities that come with getting older. Um, I think that kind of brings me a little bit of peace and reassurance that I know, I know I'll be okay no matter what I do, whether I stayed in skiing or didn't, but it just feels like something that's going to be kind of a scary transition no matter what age I go through it. And, and my heart was just leading me away. So, um, it's been, it's been up and down for sure. I feel really lucky to be surrounded by an amazing community outside of sport here that I have, you know, put a lot of effort into trying to build over the last year, year or two in preparation for being done. So, um, at the same time, you know, I want the skiing community and, and that world to be part of my life forever, but I'm just not ready to, to jump back into that quite yet. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll figure out, 
figure out the balance. Um, and I'm excited and nervous. All the things are, are feeling at once. So yes, <laughs> yes, excited and nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like a big conversation on my previous podcast with Meg Fisher was um, that you can be two things at once. 100%. You can be really excited for what's to come and still be a little nervous to find out what that's going to look like. But um, I think like the thing that I keep kind of being amazed at, so you're 24, right? Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So you're like, you're like so young (laughs) and yet you're so, I just feel like you have this maturity about you that I like, that I envy (laughs) uh, to say the least. But like, I am so curious about like how you, how you were able to support yourself and trust yourself and in like through the retirement process. Like this is something that, as you've said, you thought about for a while and had been on your mind for a while. Um, But I feel like I just got gaslit myself for so long about wanting to retire. I like bullied myself about it forever. And I probably never would have retired if my coach hadn't been like, I think that this needs to happen. Um, so I'm so curious, like, what that process was like for you and how you were able to, like, I don't know, I feel like honor your emotions in a really, really beautiful way. I love that. Well, first of all, thank you. That's very generous. Uh, I've been through a lot of therapy. <laughs> yes, we love oh, therapy. We do. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's really helped me reflect on who I want to be. And how I want to show up in this world. Um, I actually was listening to a podcast that you were on about that moment that you just mentioned where your coach kind of gave you permission. And I think I had a very, very similar experience with uh, my parents, actually. Um, Okay. And that's funny that you said that because I had kind of been, you know, talking about it or I would be crying and call my parents and be like, I don't know if Mm -hmm. I want to do this. And one time, um, what, it must have been in the fall or something of this year, because uh, I, mm-hmm. I went into this year not sure if I was going to retire or not. I just, okay. I just, uh, I wanted to try to see if I could do it in a way I wanted to, like I, like yes. I had said. So um, there was a time where I was on the phone with them, you know, in tears about just uh, not wanting, not feeling in it. My heart wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents were like, you don't have to do this. Like we, all yeah. we want is for you to like have a good life. We don't, yeah. we don't care if you're skiing anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it became for me the last few years so much about I've invest. I've invested this much into this for myself, so I owe it. I owe myself to continue mm-hmm. doing this. My coaches have mm-hmm. invested so much in me, so I owe it to them to keep doing it. My sponsors, my parents have invested so much to allow me to do this. Like, how could I quit right now? You know? Yes. Yeah, it, it's the like the investment illusion. 100%. The more you put into it, the more you expect to get out. Exactly. And the more yeah. you feel like you shouldn't do anything else because you've put so much in. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I'm like, wait, yes. then you just dig yourself deeper. And if you're already not stoked about doing this, especially at the level that I was doing it, like uh, Nordic skiing is not a lucrative sport by any means. So basically it was <laughs> yeah. like, like you have to love it. Like at, mm-hmm. at, even racing on the World Cup for me, like I wasn't making a good living. Like it was still something that I needed 
the drive and the passion mm-hmm. and the love to be able to continue doing. So if it, it felt like a job and paid like a hobby, <laughs> suddenly that wasn't really working out. Like, yes. I, I wouldn't let, let the financial aspect only, like, be a reason to retire because, like, I very much believe in trying to make it work. Like, like I would get jobs and, you know... That's that's mm-hmm. an optional. Um, total tangent there, but anyway. <laughs> no, that's great. It's and it's so like it's so true, yeah. and I think um, society has made it so that like if you talk about money, it's like oh why are you being so materialistic? Oh. And it's like I want to be able to afford <laughs> to live. I'm not living lavishly. Totally. Except for buying Taylor Swift tickets, but otherwise, <laughs> like I'm not living lavishly. I like just want to be comfortable yes. and somehow like we've people will like guilt you about that but I think like it it's a stress yeah it is and if you're trying to perform at the highest level you can't yeah. like that kind of stress is taking away from your performance because if you're always wondering like you know if you're gonna be able to like stay in the green this month yeah um yeah it's it's super challenging and I think we have a similar level of uh financial problems and cycling so I think yeah. it, that is like very very relevant right right well yeah I guess where that whole tangent started was you know talking about <laughs> how I had the trust in myself to retire um yeah which I, I can veer back on track there uh yeah so I think you know once I felt like I'd had that permission from people I cared about very very most you know my mom and dad, mm-hmm. um, that really kind of was the first point where I was like, whoa, I actually, I can do this. Like, I know I'd have the support. I know I would have the, the foundation to like be okay and, and be fulfilled as a human outside of this. I think one other mm-hmm. thing that, um, people always love to tell me is like, this is going to be the best time of your life. Like you're going to, regret it like you're like it you can always work an office job and uh you'll be so bored and wish that you could be skiing again um and I believed that for so long and maybe that is true but I think being exposed to a community outside of sport that also isn't only working like nine to five really boring jobs I just don't believe that everyone outside of cross-country skiing is not having a fulfilling life. <laughs> I don't believe it. I simply don't. <laughs> and, I, and I've seen, you know, some of my friends up here in Alaska who are living really fulfilling lives and have never dedicated their entire life to a sport or to one thing. I think, mm-hmm. I think... I feel really driven to live an interesting life right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think it's funny, like when it feels like the fear is the thing keeping you in yes. more than anything. Like for me, it was like the fear of losing my sponsors that kept me racing. hundred percent. And then once I like let go of that fear or for you, it sounds like let go of that fear of <laughs> like only professional Nordic skiers are, fulfilled which I I really I guess I'm laughing but I like I totally see the like the thought process behind that and I'm sure I've thought that as well about cycling um but I feel like once you can let that go right then okay so very relevant to that and this is like kind of a specific question so if you don't have an answer for it that's okay Okay. but so like you were saying you were talking to your parents in the fall potentially about 
you know, and they were like, we just want you to be happy. We don't care if that's on skis or not. Do you remember like what you physically felt after that conversation? Oh, I need more vocabulary. That's what, that's what therapy (laughs) is good for building vocabulary. Um, Yes. I felt so relieved. Oh my gosh. I like, I just immediately was crying like I was like holy mm-hmm. cow like the floodgates just opened that I didn't even realize I I was waiting for that permission mm-hmm. did you feel that way yes oh. yeah it was like in in a good way it was like someone stuck a pin in me and Hot. I like deflated <laughs> yes. yeah it was like like when you like when you unplug an air mattress and it just because <laughs> I was just I had been standing up so straight with my shoulders at my ears and I was just like a ball of stress and depression and just so many emotions that I used it I had the words for and then I forgot about them because my mental health was like we don't remember these Mm -hmm. words and then Alan was like hey people are gonna love you anyway and those who don't can go fuck themselves and I was like all right (laughs) like I'm I'm gonna let out the first deep breath that I've let out in a while. I'm so happy that you were able to experience that. I know. And I'm so happy to hear that your parents were supportive of you too. Cause I think, I think a lot of people worry about that. And Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, like the people who love you just want to see you happy. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're not happy, like it doesn't matter what you're achieving or you know, where you're going, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not happy doing it. And I think, most parents would rather have a happy, um, like, you know, what, what's the joke? Like living down by the river, they'd rather have like a happy kid living down by the river than an unhappy kid. Um, what's the opposite of that? <laughs> I was going to say at the Olympics, but that doesn't feel like quite the right example. <laughs> I got you though. I, I'm right there with you. I think that's very true. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the Olympics, you've been really open and honest about your Olympic experience, which just one, like congrats on going to the Olympics because that's like so sick. But you had like a really unique experience. Uh, No, I I didn't mean to say unique, actually. You had an experience that I've actually heard from a lot of people (laughs) that it was kind of different than you expected it to be. But you had an experience that you've been like really honest about that I think is really cool um can you talk a little bit about like you know what your initial impressions were at the Olympics last year and maybe if your opinions have or your emotions have changed at all now uh is it like 15 months later Mm, yeah totally it is about about that um yeah the emotions have you know they're not as poignant anymore but Mm -hmm. I completely look back on that time with with great like feeling very gracious for the opportunity but it was Mm -hmm. oh I wouldn't want to do it again um yeah it was hard it was really hard I think being in Beijing combined with COVID was just really well we were outside of the city but maybe that was even harder actually just in our our Mm -hmm. tiny little two block by one block concrete village with a 10-foot fence around the perimeter that we weren't allowed to leave Mm -hmm. unless we were on a bus to the ski trails um wow it was it was isolating it was you know I had some of my teammates right around me some of which completely were amazing and 
super kind, some of which were also feeling a lot of pressure and, and were pretty stressed yeah. out and also in survival mode. Um, uh, it's hard. I, I think, like, it's the biggest honor to be able to, like, carry that burden of representing your, your nation on the world stage, but it really comes with a lot of suffering and not just the glory. Um, <laughs> which, you know, they don't show that on TV, all the behind the scenes. <laughs> Which makes sense. And I think, uh, man, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I, 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 I'm so grateful and I like would never have changed getting to experience that, but mm-hmm. I think it really sums it up. I made, I made one playlist while I was there <laughs> um, and it's called The Big Sad and it's full of songs of like, you know, landslide and like... <laughs> are like are you happy now like all these sad ballads of songs that I like (laughs) would walk around the village crying like just Mm -hmm. a lot like I was like what is going on this isn't at all what I thought it would be so do you do you think that that was part of it like because it had always been talked up to be this like amazing like dream come true was that part of what made it feel like that if it had just been like another world championships, do you think it would have yeah. held that same amount of pain? Ah, so a really like interesting thought and I think you're I think you're right that well yeah, I don't I don't think it would have. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up the reason I try to like actually be honest about my experience is not to discourage people from shooting for right. dreams or for mm-hmm. not not wanting to be on the World Cup or whatever, but I I do wish that there had been a little bit of a realistic picture painted for me growing up because I don't Mm -hmm. think it would have deterred me. Like I still would have wanted to do this a hundred percent, but I wish that instead of my entire world cup experience being painted as like this one big happy family who loves each other all the time, just chasing down dreams with no expectation. (laughs) I would have shown up being like, okay, this is going to be freaking hard. And I know how to do hard things. But this is going to be a hard thing. And, like, that's motivation. Uh, Yeah, so I think the Olympics was a very, very, like, acute representation of that entire image where what's sold to us back home as kids is, is, uh, doesn't show at all, like, the the pressure there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because then it's, like, if if they had been real or not I mean I don't know who they Mm -hmm. is in this scenario but if if there had been some um sort of like realistic picture painted then you would have been like okay this is kind of like to be expected like this is a hard road like being a parent like you know all right this is gonna be totally um but like in that scenario when you're like am I the only one Mm -hmm. that's like having a hard time like am I is it am I the problem (laughs) like am I the only person at the Olympics that isn't like just doing backflips to be here. Cause I think like a lot of people, I have a, a, a good handful of friends that have been to the Olympics that were like, it was cool. There were some parts that were really challenging. There were some parts that weren't really what I expected it to be, especially during COVID. Yeah. Like it was emotionally exhausting yeah. to be there, um, very isolating and stuff like that. Uh, and so I think, yeah, when you don't know that other people are going mm. through it, you're like, is this a me oh thing? hundred percent. I was like, wow, I must be really depressed. Like if I, I'm feeling this negative about this, like, dream. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I I do think that, like, 
I do think COVID plays a factor. And I do think that outside of COVID, it would have been a very different experience. But maybe mm-hmm. not to the extent that I still was sold. Because our team now is like a, a world-class competitive team. Like for cross country skiing, the mm-hmm. U.S. So like mm-hmm. with that great honor comes great responsibility and enormous pressure that that yes. I was seeing, you know, front row. Like... Holy moly. Not me. I wasn't right. expected to win, but but I was expected to like be part of a relay team that could maybe win and yes. and see my teammates being surrounded by like really anxious, stressed out energy was like, whoa. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not like it's not like we're just happy to be here. No, no. Uh, you know, like some of the nations that are able to qualify. Like, I don't know how it works for skiing, but, you know, like, like in the U.S. Or, yeah, in the U.S. Or, I mean, for mountain biking. Uh, like, yeah, we qualified one spot. Woohoo! We're yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, like some of these, like, smaller totally. nations. They're like, yeah, we, we're we happy to be exactly. here. And then, yeah, yeah like you have these, uh, these kind of, like, powerhouses. Like, I'm sure the Swiss women for mountain biking totally. show up and they're like this is not a game they're, we're not just happy to be here totally we're gonna sweep the podium exactly that's a very <laughs> yeah. different experience between yeah. like croatia and switzerland or you know, i don't know maybe croatia is yes. excellent at mountain biking or biking but <laughs> i don't think we have a lot i don't know if we have any okay. croatian mountain bikers well, and if there are i'm so sorry that i'm forgetting about you but um <laughs> there's gotta be some. yeah it's really like the swiss run our sport right but <laughs> um, so like you you talked a bit about your Olympic experience and like I, I saw some on your Instagram. You had a blog post about it. So I have two questions here and I want to ask both and then maybe I'll we'll go on a tangent and come back to it. So one, I want to know how the response was to talking about the Olympics and if, um, you know, you had any sort of like specific react, like if people had any sort of specific reaction, but I also just want to talk to you in general about how vulnerable you are on social media. But I think that that's like a bigger question. So first I want to ask about, uh, talking about the Olympics and if that was cathartic and how people Hmm. reacted to it and stuff like that. Um, the reactions that I mostly actually pay attention to are in person, (laughs) I think, or, you know, or like people that actually know, uh, Yes. I, oh man, I've had like a few negative comments on social media for things mm. I've posted and, and that makes me just like really shy away from reading comments or like diving into mm-hmm. some things that potentially mm-hmm. could be negative. Um, I think overall the response was, was pretty gracious. Like I think people enjoyed actually seeing, like people outside of sport even enjoyed seeing like what this actually could be like. Um, Mm-hmm. It seems like this day and age, people are into realness um, yes. <laughs> and vulnerability. I don't know. I, I, I think that it's easy for us on social media to, to hide things that are hard and to, to put mm-hmm. out kind of a, an edited version of ourselves. That's what we're all doing. That's what I'm doing, too. Mm-hmm. Most of my posts, I'm, I'm only yes. posting when it's nice a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm only posting when I've processed it. Yes. So even my vulnerability is curated because I'm like, well, I like wrapped a nice little bow around oh. it. I'm not talking about the stuff that I'm still struggling okay. with. Okay, this right here is a goal that I want both of us to have is like there is yes. nothing more powerful than talking about what's hard while it's hard. 
Yes. It's, I've like literally been drafting a post about this where I'm like, I don't know how to talk about yeah. this. Does anyone have advice? How do I talk about the stuff that I'm going through? Yes. Because right it's now. the most scary because you also don't know how yeah. it will turn out. Like, what if it doesn't turn mm-hmm. out okay and then everyone's watched you struggle? Like, oh, mm-hmm. I do. Uh, yeah, that's my goal. If you want to be part of that, let's I'm, do it together. I'm right, I'm right there okay. with you, Haley. All right, we're, we're starting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, I love, like, so, yeah, you were saying, like, people, I think people are, like, starved for vulnerability because yes. social media is so curated. Um, but I'm assuming like, that's not why you started sharing stuff. Like I, am I'm, I'm making an assumption that you didn't start being vulnerable because it does well on social media. Cause that's not a very easy thing to start with. There are other things that do well on social. Right. <laughs> so, um, from one vulnerable person to the next, why be vulnerable on, on the internet? Why be vulnerable with people? I think that. I don't remember like why I actually decided to post something real for the first time. I think it might have been related to body image. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like you know, relationship with food and disordered eating growing up. So, I think uh, why be vulnerable? Because why do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Well, my my joke is always people are like, oh, thank you for being vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you guys like it because I don't know how okay. else to interact with people. Same. Like it. Same. it doesn't always feel vulnerable. It's just like my, I don't know. Sometimes, has, has anyone ever said this to you? You'll be having like what you think is a, a normal conversation. And then someone will say, thank you so much for being vulnerable. And you're like, I thought that was like a normal exchanging among friends. But I'm glad that you saw that as vulnerable. Yes. 100%, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't didn't realize that was a deep conversation, um, yeah. but awesome. Yeah, like, that was kind of random Tuesday for <laughs> yeah. me, but all right. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, you know, I think, um, I think I've been in therapy for, since high school, so it's, it's been a long mm-hmm. time. I think through that, it's really helped me be self Aware, like more self-aware and self-reflective and really want to yeah. grow and grow in an environment that feels safe so I think that's I, that's just made me more comfortable with the things that I have struggled with or am struggling mm-hmm. with and uh, yeah why not try to show someone else that what they're going through might be okay. Like, it still scares the mm-hmm. daylights out of me to post something that's really real and vulnerable and might mm-hmm. make some people judge me like crazy. But I think, like, if there's one little girl or boy or adult human that <laughs> yeah. sees that and is like, oh, that's, like, wow. Th- like, they're going through that. That's that's worth any judgment to me yes especially <laughs> 1000 especially judgment from the people that i don't actually know or care about on a person like interact with like a troll on the internet like yes if you hate yes. what i say like sorry um, if someone else likes and it helps them then that's worth it yes <laughs> it's uh what it it's like a I want to say Dr. Seuss, so that's probably wrong. Uh, those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't Ooh, mind. Yes. Um, and I, I think about that a lot. I'm like, the people who are going to benefit from this matter to me a lot more than the people who are going to judge me oh, for it. I like that. Um, 
But I can personally say, as someone who has really just started to get to know who you are as a person and an athlete and all of that, like I and I'm, I swear to God, I'm not just saying this to butter you up. <laughs> I have already benefited so Aww. much from reading your perspective on this stuff. Like, I listened to multiple podcasts of <laughs> yours today and like read a ton of articles and like went really weirdly deep on your Instagram <laughs> and there was so much in there that I was like oh my god if only you had been where you are now when I was younger uh, like this is what I needed uh, to hear because like you you have so many refreshing perspectives and I actually okay so these aren't even like your two best things necessarily but these are two things that um I copied from your Instagram today that I want to read if that's okay. okay because or maybe from an interview because I just think that even this, which is like not like even your most vulnerable stuff, but you said anything worth doing at all is still worth doing, even if you aren't able to do it 100%, um, which I love. And that is like such a big thing for me yes. lately. Um, and then you were talking about being largely driven by anxiety, living up to expectations and fear of failure, but then kind of making a switch for this season. Yeah. And when I read that, I felt so seen. Oh. I was like, oh my God, those are like all of my motivating factors for so long. And uh, I don't feel that way anymore. But like, God damn it, if I had read that when I was like 19, I would have been like, whoa, yes. is that me? Am I about to learn something about myself? So that um, means more than I could ever say. Thank you for that. Well, wow. I really do mean it. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're sharing Thanks. all of that and that you're continuing to share Thanks. on here. So I have um, one other big question yeah. for you uh, that you just reminded me when we were talking about vulnerability. You said that you started therapy in high school. I did. And it sounds like you're a big proponent of therapy. You can say that. Um, <laughs> I think I'm a little bit biased, so I don't want to lead the witness, but could you talk a little bit about your experience with therapy and um, just, you know, I'm a... I'm a big therapy girl, so I'd love to just have, like, another shining endorsement of, uh, you know, taking care of your mental health on here, if, if you'd be willing to dive into that. Oh, yeah. That. Holy moly. Uh, well, first of all, I think, like, I'm, I still think talking about therapy is kind of taboo, but I'm on a mission to not make it that way, so I'll happily talk about it any yes. chance I get. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so I started working with a therapist when I was a uh, senior in high school. I, um, yeah, wow. so I had really been struggling with, with body image and, and, uh, my relationship with food. And I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to be controlled by this anymore. Like this is, I can't even go to a party and not binge eat this whole bowl of chips. Like this sucks. Um, yeah. yeah so I, uh, had reached, I, I, I reached out, I talked with a couple friends about it, you know, I think I've, mm -hmm. oh, I encourage, if anyone is listening and you have the ability to just, like, talk about, I've never gotten a response from a friend when I've opened up about something hard or awkward or vulnerable from someone that I really value and care about. They've never been like, mm -hmm. what the heck? Like, why are you talking about that? <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. always been a place where you can can share vulnerable and hard things. So that's helped me really yes. get used to talking about harder things more, um, <laughs> having like a trusted friend or, or family member. But anyway, I uh, 
so yeah, I had talked with some friends who um, had kind of struggled, well, she had struggled with like a really intense eating disorder and, and I wasn't there mm-hmm. and I saw that I did not want to be there. Like I saw how much mm-hmm. that controlled her life. Um, I was lucky that I was able to approach my mom and kind of ask her for help to, for myself. Like even though I didn't have a full diagnosed eating disorder, like I still had some pretty messed up relationships with food in my body. Um, mm-hmm. And my mom was able to like help me and, and look into into therapy for me. Um, That's which so I literally great. could not be more grateful. Like I I'm so glad I had like a trusted adult. I think also those like that could be a coach, that could be a friend's parent. Like mm-hmm. there's people out here that want to help us. Um that's that's yes. been hard for me to really learn. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I know you're like, oh, deep breath. Yes. We can ask for Yes. Help. <laughs> I'm just thinking about these people in my life that I'm like, oh my God, what would I do without yeah. you? And they're not like, my mom is amazing. Yeah. Oh my God, my mom's amazing. But it's like, it's not even just like your parent yes. or parents or like the, it's not always the obvious person totally. that you can go to for these challenging things. Yeah. Uh, and like, I can go to my mom, but there are also other people I can go to. And then yeah, when you say that there are people who want to help you, my brain was just, like, flooded Ugh. with all these people who have been there. But I didn't always feel Me that too. way. Me too. 100%. And so it yeah. can feel really isolating and really, really lonely. But, like, no matter who you are, yeah. there is someone out there who loves you enough to, at the very least, listen to you talk about something and say, like, hey, I'm sorry you're going through yes. that. Uh, and help you find help you find a resource. Oh. So, 100%. Well, very well put. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and, and it's worth continuing to seek those people out and try to build that community yes. that's there to support you. Um, Therapy is a really excellent way to also have someone around that is literally mm-hmm. it's their job to figure out how to help you. Um, <laughs> yeah, like literally it's their job to like listen to you talk this through and hopefully come out feeling a little better on the other side. So even when it feels like there's no one like, you know, Every now and then you go through like a breakup that's really isolating or if you're not in a relationship and then like you have a falling out with a Mm -hmm. friend or whatever. uh, It's really nice because your therapist's always going to be in your corner. 100%. Totally. Yeah. 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 And um, so I'm a big I'm a big fan of therapy. I think it's a really excellent place to show up with without any judgment. They're not allowed to judge you. (laughs) It is Mm -hmm. against the rules Mm -hmm. of being a therapist. You can show up with um anything that you want to grow in I think um so it's beyond I like I like to think of it as like prehab also rather than rehab (laughs) if you have the the ability and like the privilege you know the uh what's the word that I'm thinking about the uh it might it might be privilege really to to be able to tap into that resource like it's super cool to be able to be ahead of the game and to come up with tools yes. to figure out a tool set to navigate these difficult things that might come down the road, whether that's a really stressful race season, whether that's, you know, dynamics with, with family and friends or relationships of any sort. Oh, yes. So many tools that humans don't naturally have that a therapist has been trained to teach you how to get through things. Yes. Thank it's, you. It's, I love the, like, the prehab um, analogy. 
And it's just so funny. So like, you know, we're both in our 20s and we're talking just like singing the praise of therapy. And I talked to my mom about this the other day because I had said that like if, uh, you know, God forbid my boyfriend and I were ever not together, uh, I would never date someone who wasn't in therapy. Yes. Because like Aiden's in therapy. We go to couples therapy together, like which is we love. We love that. Um, I love that. But I wouldn't date someone. I wouldn't date someone who wasn't in therapy. And my mom was laughing because she's like my mom's in her Mm -hmm. 60s and she said you know if I see someone in therapy I assume that they like have something like wrong with them and if I see someone who's not in therapy I'm like (laughs) I don't know like are you working on yourself and you know there's other ways to work on yourself that aren't in therapy but like I'm gonna need some some hard evidence evidence. (laughs) yeah we need some hard evidence like that we're doing the work and so it's so interesting like in the 36 years between me and my right. mom, there was this massive shift between like, you go to therapy if you have a problem, like how you go to the emergency room yes. if you have a problem. You don't go to the ER for a totally. checkup. You go to the you go to the ER because you have a pro- you have an emergency. And it's the same thing with therapy in her eyes. And then for me, I'm like, if you're not getting your regular mental health mm-hmm. checkups, like you might need to go to the <laughs> mental health emergency room. Um, so agree. Yeah. It's, it's fun to talk to another young person who's like, fuck you. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> no, that's actually a really like, um, approachable way to look at it is uh, the medical way. Like you're not, you're not yes. suggesting people to skip going to their physical or like not go to the dentist and then they have to get a bunch of root canals. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like mm-hmm. you go for, for maintenance. Yes, and mental health is it physical is. health. Oh. My therapist reminds me about this all, all the, the time. time. So I'm always like, oh, my physical health has been poor. My mental health has been poor. She's like, they're the same. <laughs> they're the same thing. Yes. They're in your body. But like we've somehow started to think like with this new discussion around mm. mental health that like it exists on its own, like in this vacuum. Totally. Someone <sighs> once told me that they think about it as brain health rather than mental health or Oh, or I nervous like system health because those are physical things and those are the physical parts yes. of our bodies that are being impacted mm-hmm. initially. Mm-hmm. It's brain health, people. Take care of your brains. Yeah. I I love brain health. Yeah. And I, I also like nervous system health too yeah. because a lot of your like mental health stuff is actually from physical stuff, like the neural pathways. Uh, absolutely. Like we're trying to like interrupt those anxious thought patterns and those depressive thought patterns and stuff like that. And you know, chemical imbalances. Yes. And uh, yeah, there's there's so much to it that's like actually physical. Even if we don't always have a test for it, it's still physical and quantifiable. Um, so. Amen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love, I love that. I love this whole conversation. Um, okay. I have one completely unrelated okay. question and then a question for wrapping okay. up. So you have a bunch of paintings behind you. Did you do those paintings? My... I did not. No. Okay. My absolutely okay. <laughs> incredibly talented roommate did. Look at this. Sorry. Oh you my just god. Have They're so Isn't that incredible? Beautiful. Holy yeah. guacamole. Okay. She's amazing. I feel a little bit better that you didn't do those <laughs> because if you were like an Olympian, an engineer, and also like a super talented artist, I would need to reconsider. <laughs> You know what? We also <laughs> the art that's right? behind me. Wait, that's hilarious. <laughs> this is, I love that. This is my my eight event calendar. Oh I made my it gosh. to count down the days 
till Aiden got home on a trip. He was gone for like that a is month. so <laughs> cute. Also, both it's not like yours. both are excellent pieces of artwork. One is just less traditional. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, I'm an you artist. You are. Too. We're all artists. That's what I want. We we, we don't are. have to do things only because we're good at them. Yes. Oh my gosh. Except fly planes. Except you only should be flying planes if you're competent <laughs> at flying planes. Yes. And then pretty much everything else we should do because of the joy. I'm learning how to embroider. I decided the other day as a hobby. Oh my gosh. Because yes. now I'm going to have room for hobbies in my life. And I think that's important. Yes. And I will say that any sort of stitching hobbies are really good for recovering perfectionists Whoa. because um, you have a lot of control. So when I broke my back, I got into cross stitching. Oh, nice. Cool. Because it was something that I could be perfect at, like right out the gate. Yes. Because otherwise I was like, I'm not going to learn how to paint this time because I don't have the emotional <laughs> capacity to do that. So like, I'm going to start with cross stitching. That was a, a smart move. <laughs> so yeah. that's awesome. I I'm, I would love to see the stuff that you Embroider. So far, it's not going it's well. It's so beautiful. It's not going well. That's yeah, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm okay with it. No, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> yes. I... So I built a shelf the other day out of wood. Okay. Uh, cool. Like, by, by myself. And like the first, uh, like, you know, because you kind of start by making a rectangle. It's really hard to describe building a shelf, <laughs> I guess, if, if like you can't show someone the shelf. But anyway, like the first couple pilot holes that I drilled and then the screws that I put in. It was so cumbersome yes. and I'm holding a drill like I've never held anything in my like it's my first day with hands and it was so uncomfortable and then by like the fourth shelf or the fourth yeah shelf in the bookshelf that I installed I was so comfortable and it mm-hmm. was like you know just super quick and I was like okay this took me about an mm-hmm. hour so with one hour of practice holding this drill I feel suddenly very yes. comfortable and I'm not an expert and I'm not like a master carpenter, yes. but I went from first day with hands <laughs> to feeling really proficient and super comfortable with all of the necessary yep. tasks to build this bookshelf. And I think that that's like, that was such important information for me to have that I was like, okay, it took me an hour to feel more confident on this thing that like is really, really intimidating yeah. for me. So like, think about if you have like a couple of, embroidery projects that you don't love like by the time you rip that band-aid off you're gonna be actually hold on I'm gonna show you this I don't know if this is gonna make it in the show but um I'm obsessed with miniature models and so I decided that I was gonna I was stuck and I wanted to build the perfect miniature model the first time ever I was like I've never built one of these before so I think it's reasonable that this one's gonna be perfect (laughs) Of course it's it be is. like Architectural Digest. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's like a reasonable thing to expect. And then I had this like epiphany one day that I was like, why does it have to be perfect? Perfect is the enemy of good. Like just, oh, just wow. make it. And if it's garbage and if you put it in the trash when you're done, you made it and that's what matters. So this is the first side of it. I'm still working on it. But like you can kind of see it's wow. like, you know, we have some... Like the little, the trim pieces and whatever aren't perfect. So cute. So then this is the second side. Wait, way better. And then by the, by the third side. Oh my gosh. Look how clean it is. Like it's a noticeable Uh difference from the first side to the third side. And that's on the same house. Like, so like practice gets you so far. It does in everything. That's gosh. I like recovering perfectionist because I totally am. I think that's why I went so far yes. in skiing is because it was something yes. I was good at. 
Like it was, it's mm-hmm. so nice to be good at something, but what's even yes. nicer is to suck at something and then learn how to be better. Yes. Oh, it's so rewarding. It's, it's so rewarding yeah. compared to just like natural talent. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, my like first day on skis, I'm crushing. First day on the bike, totally. I'm crushing. Yes. Like, uh, it's so rewarding to be like, wow, the first side of this house did not look very good. But, <laughs> and now it looks way look better. look at me by the fourth side. I'm an architect. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how I feel. And that's all that matters, uh-huh. right? Is that you feel yeah. like an yeah. architect. Yes. <laughs> yes. No one has to live there. It's um, all for you. Yeah, exactly. And like if my dog stepped on it, I wouldn't cry. <laughs> but I did get to make a house. Um, so... Haley, is there anything else that you want to say that you want to get off your chest that you want to try on that you want to talk about on here? Oh, I feel like we've covered so many amazing things. Nothing, nothing's, nothing's <laughs> yeah. coming to mind. Um, man, I just think like, you know, life's too short to, to be stuck doing something that you're not stoked about every single day. Like we just got to look for the good in the situations we can't get out of and make changes where we can that there's my summary of my current state of life (laughs) (laughs) oh shit that is a very 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 good summary um okay i'm gonna ask you to summarize it even more succinctly because as you know the show is called this one's for you and in general it's um my kind of running adage is if you feel like you're going through it alone Mm -hmm. this one's for you but um who or what kind of person is this show for? I think it could go way beyond sport. I think these are human yeah. issues that um, yeah. so so many of us know what it feels like or what it felt like to chase a dream at some point, and we've lost that. And I think it's super scary and takes a lot of courage to take a leap off the cliff toward a, toward a new dream but man what's i think okay everyone should look up the the five main the like there's a ton of research on the five biggest regrets of the dying and yeah one my therapist taught me this one of the sorry this is not succinct at all but um no that's <laughs> this is even better <laughs> <Sorry>. way better <laughs> one <laughs> fuck um, gravity the things what are the top five things that, like, um, people that are dying have, you know, stated they regret in their old age is, like, they didn't let themselves be happy. And I think that a lot of us get stuck, feel stuck in the cycle and in the pattern that we're used to rather than actually being open to what could be something that makes you feel more excited about life. Oh, I love the end. that. There is there. <laughs> the end wrap. <laughs> it's it's so perfect that you just said the end because I never like write an ending for the episode. I had I probably wrote like fifteen questions and I don't think I asked any of them, but I came up with a bunch based on what you said, which is kind of my yeah. intention. But I never write an ending because how do you mm. know? But then there always it feels like there always comes this like perfect wrap yeah. up in the show. And I almost always say, what more is there? Like, what more could possibly yeah. be said? And after that, I, I really don't think that there's anything else that could be said. You just, I feel like you summarized Ugh. it 
so perfectly nice. and you have given me a lot to think about <laughs> in a very oh gosh. Way, in the best way possible i'm like all right uh what am, what are we doing in this world <laughs> what am i doing yeah. with my life God, i don't know if there's a wrong way or yeah. what do i get to do with yes, my life yes that's the question thank you for rephrasing that <laughs> yeah. what do i get to do with yeah, my life yeah what do we what do we get to do what do we get to do next there's so many things um so I guess what's next for you I know what's next for us is that we're definitely gonna have to have wait I would love to just continue talking with you um (laughs) yeah I mean we can just we can just um like kind of keep going all philosophical but like what's literally next for you yeah um so I I've actually been interviewing with a couple engineering firms last week so um waiting on hopefully some offer letters this week uh That'll be my next, like, immediate move. Um, In the meantime, for the next couple months, I'm actually, like, I'm going to go, planning on going down to Ecuador to go on a running trek thing with one of my um, old skier friends. Um, I'm going to spend some time in Colorado before I start working. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to whitewater kayak. uh, Learning how to fly planes. uh, (laughs) So I'm just excited about learning. That's that's what's next. Yes. Um, yeah. Learning. Uh, I you know I hope in the next couple years, like I'd love to spend a chunk of time in South America, like live there for a year or do mm-hmm. something like that. So, I I'm trying to figure out my next goals, but there are a lot of things to be excited about. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. awesome. Um, I'm so excited Thanks. for you. Like my retirement process has been like so amazing Has it? and oh. no matter what I do from here I wouldn't regret it at all like even for all the hard times like I know that this is the path that I was meant oh. to be on because it's the one that I'm on and I'm just so excited for like what's to come Thanks. for you um so where can everyone else who's listening that are surely just obsessed with you by now where can they follow along and um continue to just give you all oh. the love uh I guess Instagram probably, which is Hey Swirl is my uh, Instagram. Um, I don't post on there a ton, but you know I post things that I find entertaining sometimes now, and uh, it'll yes. it you'll it'll be the real me. You know I don't have any more sponsor posts or anything like that. So what you're getting is uh, is me. What you see what is, what, is you what, you what you get, or but what you get is something like yeah. that. One of those. Something like that. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Haley, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been the most fun podcast I've ever been part of. So you rock. Um, Can't wait to see what's what's next for you too. But thank you.